Well, we all have something in common. You may say, well, hey, you don't know me, and that may be true, but I still suspect that we all have something in common, and that is that we have all done some really dumb things. <laughs> we have all spent some money we wish we wouldn't have spent, and we've all said some things we wish we wouldn't have said. We all wish we said we... Uh, now, that just got me all offline. <laughs> and we have all had associations and audiences we wish we hadn't had. But we've all made some really dumb mistakes. Now, we look back at them and we say, you know, I should have known better. And in some cases, we did know better. I mean, other people told us what we were doing. And yet, we went ahead and did it. And so, some of the, these decisions we've made have been embarrassing. Others of them have been damaging. But most of us don't plan to mess up our lives. We just don't plan not to. I mean, for example, nobody goes into a marriage saying, oh, I just wonder how painful this can be. No, we all go into marriage wanting the best, but we don't make the daily decisions required to make it alive. Nobody thinks, oh, great, I've got a whole lot more money now. This is going to ruin my life. No, we just don't make the daily decisions we have to make to put the Lord first, no matter what. Yeah, I think we all have in common that we've done some pretty dumb things, even though we've known better, and sometimes because we didn't plan to do better. But this also means we have something else in common. We all need wisdom. Wisdom is the thing that keeps us from doing the really dumb stuff. Wisdom is what keeps our decisions from robbing us of our potential. Wisdom is what enables us to walk in the way that God intended for us to walk. How important wisdom is to us. This is what Solomon said about wisdom. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, for though it costs you everything you have, get understanding. And this is good advice for us to seek wisdom. In fact, it's one of the things that we find often in the pages of the New Testament. Jesus, when He preached the Sermon on the Mount, gave that wonderful finale to the Sermon on the Mount. After calling the people to love their neighbor and to worship their God, he says to them, there are wise builders and there are foolish builders. And one will stand on the day of judgment and the other will fall. He tells stories about wise and foolish servants that end up living in a very different place in eternity. For Jesus in his teaching, seeking wisdom was important. And so we get to the New Testament letters and people like Paul and Peter and James all encourage us to seek wisdom. And so let's consider a question this morning that I hope will reduce the number of regrets that we have in our lives and in fact open up the possibilities of our lives. It is a question that will apply to every decision that we make and we're going to know the answer to this question right off in most on most situations. It is a question that will give us a new perspective 
on our lives and every aspect of our lives. And to discover this question, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Please open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And in this letter, what Paul has been doing is he spent the first three chapters describing the benefits of being in Christ. And then in chapter 4, he begins to describe the behavior of those in Christ. In other words, what God has done in us makes a difference in three major areas of our lives. First, in how we interact with His church. Secondly, how we interact with the world. And then finally, how we interact with our families. But right in the middle of this section, He gives us some instruction that applies to all of those relationships, whether it's church relationships, world relationships, or family relationships. This is the issue he wants us to consider, and it's an issue about wisdom. And this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you see this text invites us to consider a question that will direct all of our decisions to the ways of the Lord. It is a question for all of the small decisions and big decisions of our lives. It is a question that will keep us from doing those really dumb things and enable us to do things that really matter. And the question that this text asks of us is what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? Unfortunately, when we make decisions, this is not our first question. Usually our first question is, what is the easiest thing to do? Or, what is everybody else doing? Or, what makes me feel good or look good or be accepted? I mean, there's no wonder why we make so many dumb decisions in our life because we're asking the wrong question. The question we need to ask is, what is the wise thing to do? This is the question that will lead life to be meaningful and helpful. What is the wise thing to do? You can ask it for the small questions and the big questions. What is the wise thing to do? It is a question that when asked and responded to rightly will leave us with no regrets. What is the wise thing to do? And Paul wants us to understand why it's so important for us to ask this question. And it is because he says we are living in an evil world. He says live wisely. Why? Because the days are evil. In the previous verses, he has asked us to wake up. He has literally said, wake up and see the nature of the world in which you're living. It is a world that is characterized by darkness, and the fruit of this world is what he calls unfruitful. In other words, it's meaningless, worthless eternally. In other words, we are surrounded by an environment that pushes us to make foolish decisions. Recognize the days in which you're living. They are evil. You're not going to just accidentally slide into making right decisions. You're going to actually have to make a resolute 
determination to ask the question, what is the wise thing to do if you are going to be led into the ways of the Lord? Because the, way, the days in which we live are evil. If we're going to make wise decisions about our purchases, about the words that we use, and the plans that we make, we're going to need to ask, what is the wise thing to do? In fact, there is not a decision that we make that cannot be made better than by first asking, what is the wise thing to do? Now, this brings us to a central issue. And the central issue is this, what is wise? What is wisdom? I mean, people come up with their own definitions of wisdom all the time and they go right off of cliffs. So what is wisdom? Paul helps us in this text understand that wisdom is the will of the Lord. Do you see it in verse 17? He says, don't be foolish. What's the opposite of foolish? Wise. How do you live wise? You understand the will of the Lord. This is a fundamental understanding. Wisdom comes from the knowledge of God. Wisdom comes from the revelation of God. That's where wisdom comes from. In fact, there is a statement that is fundamental to what is called the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. And it is this. It's found in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord, excuse me, the fear of the Lord there at the bottom, is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. In other words, according to the Bible, wisdom doesn't come through experimentation, but through revelation. Wisdom comes from knowing the Lord, because He is the one who is all-wise. In other words, God has never had to ask for more information before He made a decision. He knew it already. He was never deceived by a person or a circumstance to where His decision was wrong. God, because He is all-knowing, is all-wise. Let me see if I can pull out some evidence for you. Just look at creation. Have you ever imagined somebody who could make the stars and the galaxies the way that He has? The God who be able to make humans with their moral abilities and reasons like God has. Do you know anybody who can create like our God? There is no one wise like Him. Let me give you another example of His wisdom. Look at our own salvation. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10 that the church is the description of the manifold wisdom of God. Who else could have from the very beginning of creation laid out a plan to redeem sinful people to Himself through the sacrifice of His own Son on the cross? There is no one wise like our God. To go to any other source of wisdom, I would suggest to you, is to go to something that is very tenuous to say the least. God is all wise. And therefore, what is wisdom? but it is to understand the will of the Lord. And so to ask, what is the wise thing, is ultimately to ask, what is the God thing? What is the will of the Lord? And the result of that question will be wisdom. It will be us aligning ourselves with the one 
who has created the world and will judge it. And so to be wise, we need to set ourselves to seeking the knowledge of God, to know God in His character and in His uh, will and in His works. This is wisdom, to know the will of God. In fact, it is one of the reasons why God has given us His commandments and rules in Scripture. We sometimes look at all the commandments and we think, oh, how odious, how difficult, I don't want to do it. But the very reason He's given us the commands and the rules that He has is because He wants us to live wise lives. This is what Moses said to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6, or Deuteronomy chapter 4. And verse 5, he said, See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for this will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, they will say, Surely this great nation is wise. And understanding. When I was in college, I had some professors uh, that were from different parts of the country. I had a professor uh, from the world. I had a professor from India. I loved him. He was uh, one of our civil engineering uh, professors. Had another one from China, and he was a math professor. And you know what? Even to this day, when I say things that they taught me, I use their accent. I don't know how it happened. It just gets stuck in there with the knowledge. But there is a reflection in me from the one who taught me. Now, if we are listening to the knowledge of the all-wise God, and we are obeying the commands and rules He's taught us to live, what are we living? All-wise lives. That's the source of wisdom. Wisdom is to understand the will of the Lord. Wisdom doesn't grow on trees. Wisdom comes from listening to the Lord. You see, that's the mistake Eve made. You remember? Eve thought wisdom grew on trees. She thought wisdom came from her own senses by looking out at, at a fruit that she thought would make her wise. Because she, in her own pleasure, her own aesthetics, her own desires thought it was the wise thing to do, and it sent everything into chaos. Right at the beginning, we are taught wisdom comes from the knowledge of the Lord. In fact, to slightly modify a saying from the field of law, a man who listens to his own wisdom has a fool for a teacher. All other wisdom that doesn't come from God is ultimately foolish. What is the wise thing to do? It is to know the will of the Lord. That's the wise thing to do. Now, James would add to that, there, there is another way in which God communicates His wisdom to us, and that is God gives us wisdom through prayer. In James chapter 1, he talks about trials, difficulties in life. For most people, it ruins them. But for Christians... He says trials and difficulties can actually make us more faithful, more mature in our service to God. How? He says it's by praying and asking God for wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, 
Let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. In other words, through prayer, we ask God, help me use this circumstance to make me more faithful to you, more useful to you. I love the story that's told about this lady that was going through a very difficult time. Her husband had just had a stroke. He was in the hospital on the verge of death, and she herself was very sick. And she came to worship one Sunday morning, and the preacher said to her, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. And the woman said, well, that's good. What have you been praying? And he goes, um, 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 well, I've, I've been praying for you to have strength. And she said, that's good. But I'd like you to add to that. Ask God to help me not waste what I'm going through. That's the kind of prayer God wants to hear. How can I go through this circumstance where at the end of it, I'm more faithful and I'm more like him and I'm more useful in his kingdom? God wants to give us wisdom. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, the apostle tells the church that we are to be praying and asking for God to give us a spirit of wisdom and spiritual understanding. God, make your people spiritually wise. God answers that through prayer. What's the wise thing to do? Listen to God. What's the wise thing to do? Pray about it so you'll be more faithful. But be careful that you're listening to the right source of wisdom. This is so important. You see, if we're not listening to the right source of wisdom, it leads to chaos. This is what happened in the church in Corinth. Oh, they were a church that was all into wisdom. I mean, they had it on their walls. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. They talked about it all the time. The problem was that what they valued is what Paul calls the wisdom of this world. Notice the difference. It's a wisdom of this world, not a revelation from God. And the result was that they were a church full of pride and division, and they weren't very useful or very much like God. They were getting their source of wisdom from a different place. This is what Paul writes to them. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21, he says, For since, in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom didn't know God. God was pleased through what the world thinks is foolishness that was preached to save those who believe. Now, <coughs> Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks, they're looking for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks or the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You know, every generation has people who are going after wisdom from another source. Uh, maybe they're listening to some professor at school or, or maybe reading some blog online and they have come to see the real nature of the universe and they think they're so wise for having found it. Other people are a little bit more religiously bent 
And so they listen to the scholars and they read certain books and they come to the conclusion that the Bible doesn't have to be taken very seriously. And they call themselves the wise ones. But the problem is that when we value the wisdom of the world above the wisdom of God, we have made ourselves deaf to the true source of wisdom. And what we've invited into our lives and our relationships is nothing but pride and division. And ultimately, we cannot be saved and we cannot live the way that God has created us to live. What is the wise thing to do? Well, let's think about that practically. To ask what is the wise thing to do is to ask what is the God thing to do? What is it that's most pleasing to the Lord? What is it that reflects His will and His character in my life? And there will be times before we make decisions in our lives where we need to stop. And I don't know if we do it enough. But we need to stop and make a list. What are the commands of God about this subject? What does God have to say about this? What are the attitudes that should be involved in my decision-making process? What is the will of the Lord about this? What's going to help me be most useful to the Lord and of greatest service to the Lord? And make a list of those things and then to pray to the Lord and ask Him, God, give me wisdom. Wisdom so that this decision actually helps me be a better disciple of yours. To be most useful in your kingdom. And when we stop and ask ourselves what is the wise thing to do. And we realize that wisdom is that which comes from God. Then we won't make so many dumb decisions. In fact, we'll make some decisions that actually make us more useful to the Lord. Helpful to his people. And more like his son Jesus, who is wisdom from God. What is the wise thing to do? Is to let God speak to us before we make our plans. What's the wise thing to do? It is to fill every choice and every decision with that which reflects the will of God. What's the wise thing to do? But let me also add to this. That wisdom is not just intended to be theoretical. Wisdom is intended to be practical. And you see that back in our text, don't you? Uh, he says, okay, now don't be unwise, but wise by doing what? Making the best use of your time. I mean, how more practical can that be? And in Scripture... Wisdom is not just understanding the will of the Lord, it is doing something with it. You see, when we make decisions, we often start with our own desires, what we want. So here's a decision, a choice we've got, and what we're really doing is saying, what do I want? What do I want? And we're not asking, what is the wise thing to do? We're saying, what do I want? And so then to defend our own wants, what we do is this. Well, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, is there? And what we're really asking is, I've got my own wants. I've got my own desires. It's not illegal. It's not immoral. There's nothing wrong with it, right? What's wrong with it? Now, if we're not careful, what we end up doing with that question 
is we transform it into another question. Now, we don't say it verbally, but we utilize it nonetheless. And that is, well, how close can I get to doing wrong? Or how close can I get before it becomes wrong? Okay? So there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it, right? Well, how close do I have to get before it does become wrong? How close do I have to get before yeah, my job does become my God? How close do I have to get to that relationship before yeah, it does become adultery? Oh, there's nothing wrong with it, but how close do I have to get to the pleasures of this world before it chokes out the Word of God in my life? Oh, there's nothing wrong with missing services, but how close do I have to get to where it actually hurts my relationship with God? You see, we're asking the wrong question. When it comes to making decisions in our life to just simply say, what's wrong with it? Leads us right down a path where we end up saying, how did I get myself in this mess? A lot better decision, question to ask yourself is what is the wise thing, and here it is, to do. What do I need to do if I'm really wise? How would I act if the will of the Lord was really my driving desire? That's Paul's point. What would I really do if the will of the Lord was my driving desire? To put it in Paul's words, what is the best use of this time to do the will of the Lord? That's a question that leads to wisdom. A wisdom that is seen by what it does. A wisdom that is more than talk, but action. You see, there is a connection in the Old Testament. I think the order is meaningful. There is the book of Psalms, and it's followed by the book of Proverbs, isn't it? And Psalms describes truths that are sung in the temple. And they're wonderful. We need to hear those truths. We need to know those truths. They need to be in our minds, in our hearts, in our emotions, in our wills. But it's followed by the book of Proverbs, which says, Now take it out in the streets and live it at work and live it in your family and live it in your relationships. In other words, there's a connection between knowledge that we get in the mind in worship and life that we live out in the streets. Jesus reflected this wonderfully in the Sermon on the Mount. There was his pattern. For three chapters, he said, Now this is the way that you're supposed to love your neighbor. And this is the way you are to worship God. And then he gets it to the end and he says, Now if you really want to be wise, don't just hear it, do it. And he gives that wonderful illustration between building things and coming weather. And he talks about a wise man. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, it didn't fall because it had been founded upon a rock. Wisdom is found in knowing the will of the Lord and living it out in light of the future. Your wisdom lives in light of the future, what Jesus calls here the coming storm. Every one of us in this life and eternity is going to face a storm that determines whether we have built our lives 
on worldly wisdom or God's wisdom. And one wisdom will stand and the other wisdom will fall. And I think we're really ready for this illustration today. We all went through the trauma of the great freeze of last year, didn't we? We lost power. We lost water for several days. What would have happened if our power company said, no big deal, it's not going to happen again? What would we have thought? We'd have been angry. That's not wise. What if us, knowing that our houses had some uh, weaknesses that were revealed by the storm, went and said, I'm not going to fix it, no big deal. We would deserve the calamity coming upon us. But my friends, every one of us know that this world is our temporary home. That the Lord Jesus is coming back. And we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for how we have lived, whether it is good or whether it is evil. And if we know such a storm is coming, is it not foolish not to prepare for it? The wisest thing in the world is to ask the question, what is the wise thing to do and then do it? That's wisdom. Wisdom is knowing the will of the Lord and doing it. Jesus told a story about a wise servant who his master left and his wife, he put his wise servant in charge of what was going on. And the wise servant made sure that he was feeding everybody he was supposed to. He was doing his work. And the Lord Jesus said that when the master returned, he would bless that wise servant because he was always doing his job. But then he talked about a wicked servant. By the way, notice the contrast. It's not just wise and foolish. It's wise and wicked. To not live wise is to not live according to the will of the Lord. It is to live wicked. And that wicked servant had decided, well, the Lord's not coming. My master's not coming back. And he lived just like he wanted to. He lived by his senses. He took from life what he wanted. And this is what Jesus said. The master of that servant will come on that day when he does not expect him at an hour in which he does not know and he will cut him into pieces and he will put him with the hypocrites and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is the wise thing to do? It is to work doing the will of the Lord knowing that he is coming back. Now, folks, asking that question, what's the wise thing to do, that just took on greater significance, didn't it? Asking what is the wise thing to do is the difference between being blessed by the master and being with the hypocrites. The great challenge for the people of God has always been for us to get the wisdom out of our minds and into our lives. It's always been the hard part. And we're just going to have to have some more courage to do it. I, I love how James does it in James chapter 3. He asks a question. And this is the question he asks. Who is wise and understanding among you? And you can just see hands going up all over the auditorium, right? Oh, that's me. That's me. That's me. And then he says this. Let him show it 
by his good life and by deeds that are done in humility that comes through wisdom. What is the wise thing to do? It's hard to ask that question because we have a lot of other questions we want to ask. What's the easiest thing to do? What's the popular thing to do? But to ask what is the wise thing to do is to consider first what is the will of the Lord. And then it is to consider what am I going to do because I know it. That leads to wisdom. What's the wise thing to do? I hope we're prepared to ask that question now. To ask what is the wise thing to do is to ask what is the will of the Lord? What does God's word say I should do? What are my priorities if God is setting them? This is one that's been helpful to me. What decision would I make if the Lord Jesus was standing right next to me? What is the wise thing to do? How should I be using my time? How should I be using my money? How should I be making my plans? How should I be speaking and using my words? What is the wise thing to do? And then walk in wisdom. Do it. Make the best use of your time to do the will of the Lord. And yeah, it may not always be the comfortable thing to do. And it may not always be the easy thing or the popular thing to do. But to ask what is the wise thing to do is something you'll never regret. Asking what is the wise thing to do will keep you from making those dumb decisions. And when the Lord Jesus comes back, as we have just read, it is only the people who have lived according to his wisdom that will stand. It is only the wise who will enter the eternal kingdom of God. And so there may be a lot of dumb decisions you and I have made in our lives and wish I could go back and undo, and I can't. And by God's grace, he forgives. But there is one dumb decision we can't afford to make, and that is not to be prepared for the Lord Jesus to return. And if there's anything we need to do in our life to get ready for that moment, it'll be the wisest thing you've ever done. Listen to the will of the Lord. Come to him. Let's stand and see.